Hi, I'm Jennifer Barrett, and welcome to All Things Apostolic. Today, we will be continuing our discussion about Gen Z. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I want to give a little brief introduction to our guest. Boston Young is the pastor of The Rock Sierras, which is a new church, relatively new church in Cameron Park in California. He is also and has been for uh, several years. How many years? The youth pastor. Eight. Eight years. Eight years oh, now. my goodness. Eight years. The youth pastor at The Rock Church in Elk Grove, California. He has a Master of Arts degree in ministry, and um, I understand your pain. I'm in a doctoral program as well. He is in his doctoral program, but on to the dissertation phase. Congratulations. Thank you. And he's working on uh, a dissertation related to the topic of integrating Gen Z into leadership. So it'll be a doctorate in leadership. And additionally, he is married, has a beautiful wife, Haley, and two children. We're today talking about Gen Z, but he has two children who are part of the new Generation Alpha. So <clears throat> maybe some of, we'll, we might end with a little bit of, of discussion on Gen Alpha. Because okay. that one's coming up. So. Um, in the previous episode, uh, I shared with our listeners some research related to Gen Z. And um, not everything's negative, but a lot of the data that we now have, because we're finally getting to the point where Gen Zers are a little bit older, and we have some social study research on them, and we're finding that um, they have higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide. So one of the questions would be, um, in your experience in ministry, are you seeing that increase in this particular generation? Because I assume most of your youth group, they're all, yeah, that, they're all they're Gen Z. Pretty much all Gen Z, yeah. So are you seeing that? And then um, I also presented uh, some research by social psychologist Jonathan Haidt and um, whether or not you agree with his explanation of it, which ties back into this is the first generation that really has been tethered to the internet and to social media consistently. And so he's trying to look for what is the underlying phenomenon that would explain it here in the United States, but even elsewhere, nationally or internationally. Um, so do you agree with that? So do you see those trends? And then do you agree with that hypothesis of the underlying and we'll start there. Yeah. yeah, no, so I definitely agree with those trends. That there, okay. there's no, that's been my experience as well. So there's no negating that. Now, when you say you agree with it, do you, do you believe that it's happening in society in general? But are we also seeing an uptick in those um, behaviors or in those mental health issues in, within the church as well, not just in society? And I know this is anecdotal. It, yeah. We don't have data on that in the in apostolic churches. Do you mean with specific to depression, uh, depression and anxiety, like that? and yes? So <laughs> I would say specific to my experience, I wouldn't say the depression and anxiety. Okay. Honestly, uh, because there's a support group there's a mm. there's a body of people who are working together now there is there's there's outliers there's there's yeah. you know but i would say for the majority of the kids in my youth group that and that's i'm speaking anecdotally i'm not speaking of the data i'm right. speaking of right. the rock church elk grove yeah 
the majority anxiety, depression, those kind of things are not above average. They're that not, it's, yeah. It's not, now there, there's a lot of other issues that I'm sure we'll get into okay. that, that we do have to work through, that we have okay. to uh, fight through. But in my, what I've seen so far is there have been cases, mm-hmm. but I would not say it's the norm. Because in eight in years, you've seen it. You're not seeing trending upward in the no. in that eight-year period. No. And that's really beneficial. I, I think, and I've spoken about this in, in a previous episode, that the fact that we have strong families and apostolic churches support families. We want strong families. Yeah. But then also, we are strong families of faith. We have churches, and um, it's really a second family. Everybody's uh, very interactive, and, and we worship together. And so strong faith system. I think those two key things have buffered our apostolic youth from following the, the world's trends. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. And actually, it's it's funny. As a youth pastor, we do a very unique form of outreach using that understanding. Is our kids, there's not a lot of what we're talking about. Yeah, There's not yeah. a lot of that feeling isolated. Like severe and depression, depression and suicide. And there is yeah. some of that. So I'm not trying to say there's none of that. But in eight years, it's not getting worse. It's one or two every couple of years. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's, it's not mm-hmm. zero Outliers, suicides. Outliers, like so you said. Yeah. I, not one or two suicides. It's zero suicides. Right. But uh, what, what we've actually seen to work is we'll go to the park and play volleyball and there's a hundred kids out there who are friends and they're happy and there's no clicks and everybody's together and everyone's having a good time and we've had like large amounts of people young people come to church because they're attracted to that they come and they say can we play volleyball with you Mm -hmm. so you have these isolated young so this is where i was saying is as a whole societally that data is true is these isolated kids, but these isolated kids are longing for what we have. Mm-hmm. And so we literally, accident, it's almost accidental outreach. Is we're yeah. just going to the park to have yeah. fun, but there's a bunch of kids having fun together, and it's like a bug to a light. It's, yeah. they, they swarm it. And I've baptized probably 20 kids. Wow. That we didn't knock on the door. We just were playing. And I wasn't, it wasn't a strategy thing. We're yeah. just having fun playing volleyball and kids came and and my daughter's part of the youth group and she's mentioned uh, a number of times that uh, it'll be a youth event happening on a Friday or Saturday night and that people just driving by strangers not part of the youth group will see a hundred and how many a hundred and something young people 20 to 60 depending yeah, on summer or winter <laughs> yeah but a group just out there playing together and having a good time and they're drawn to that, just driving by and seeing it. Because luckily, um, where the field is in that area, where the recreational area is right on a, on a main, on main road. road. Yeah. yeah, so it draws people in. Right. Um, so that's great. You're not, so the good thing is you're, you agree that the, the data does reflect societally what's yes. happening, but the church has been largely buffered buffer, from that, yeah. which is great. Now, um, so I guess that leads me to two questions. Uh, do you see any other, besides the strong families, strong church, do you see a, any other thing that's helping to buffer? Well, so a lot of kids, society, at least in my research, the, the kids don't have anyone to go to. 
-hmm. So they've lost trust for their teachers. And we're talking as a whole societally, not the Right, in very general. Yeah. Yeah. So they've lost trust for their teachers. They don't like their schools. There's not the respect even for their teachers. Mm -hmm. Their parents, for the economy or whatever reason, are busy working, distracted, addicted, doing their own thing. They have no one to go to with their problems. They have no one to go to. So if you're depressed or you have anxiety, you have no one. You're just a 16-year-old kid with depression and anxiety, and we'll get into, I'm sure we'll get into why those things. But, well, in the church, if a kid has depression and anxiety, they have, in the Rock Church, they have a thousand people they can go to. And they have people to relate to, and they have people to connect with, and they have a youth pastor or a youth staff or the coffee shop director or the the Sunday school. There's so many people for them to connect with and so many people that genuinely care about them and love them and want to help them that they might feel that same depression or anxiety or whatever it is, but there's someone to guide them. And, I mean, I'm not young anymore, but I remember (laughs) being a kid is like when you're... 16, 17 years old, you don't necessarily want to go to your dad or your mom for everything. Well, I had people I could go to in the church to talk to. And that's something that is more prevalent with Gen Z than it was even with millennials. So So you think they have a a preference. They can go to their parents, but they sometimes have a preference to go to someone else. And the church has that available. Trustworthy people. Yeah. And how is there anything specific you do to create that openness or for them to know that availability or it, it's just part of the church culture? It ha- well, that's it has to be part of the church culture. I don't know if it's a part of every church culture. I'm just to it's a family kind of church. Yeah. So yeah. that's part of the deal is there's there's a when you I was talking to a guy last week in Bible study and he said, when I come to the Rock Church, I feel like it's a family, like there's a yeah. thousand people in the room that care about me. Yeah. OK. And that's very, very valuable mm-hmm. to Gen Z when everything is so siloed and isolated and mm-hmm. small. You know, this is my little world. Right. And so you're connected to something a lot bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So. so then um, in Jonathan Haidt's research, he points to social media um, as probably not necessarily the only reason, but an underlying reason that, that has led to the, the data that we're seeing on a, a national and international scale. Um, would you agree that social media has contributed to these, or is it an aspect of social media? What are your thoughts about the, the pros and cons of social media? So I'm not a 100% anti-social media person but I'm a very against social media person at the same time. So. And I should probably clarify for you too, because um, uh, in a previous one, how he defines social media is that it's, we're not talking about um, uh, FaceTiming or Zooming or texting where there's interaction between us, even though it might be mediated by the computer yeah. or by our phones. But he's talking about a system like Facebook or TikTok or Instagram where there are algorithms that, direct. that are feeding information into the young people and they don't really have control over what they're seeing Mm -hmm. so it's it's corporations feeding things that's so social media um that's what he's referring to and not something like texting okay just to make sure we're on the same page so one of the things with social media is and this is not anything new with me it's a gigantic time waster 
Yes. Okay, so yeah. I mean, Seven to nine hours a day that's, for preteens and teenagers. And that's not, I, I would say that is soft. That's not like I, a over-exaggerated I'm number. So you're, you're losing a lot of your direction. Are, a lot of kids, to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, they don't read anymore. Yeah. They don't. Okay, so I'll go negative and then I'll go positive. Okay. okay? So the negatives, they don't read anymore. They aren't consuming media that is guiding them anywhere normally. They're, uh, if you're just doom scrolling, just scrolling through whatever comes up next in your feed, you're, you're going down a list and it's siloing you deeper and deeper into it, an algorithm where mm-hmm. you're only seeing what you want to see because it's based off of what interests yes. you. Yes, yes. So if you're interested in blue skateboards and you click on blue skateboards the algorithm marks it and it feeds you you and you get deeper and deeper into where your whole feed is nothing but blue skateboards uh which you can see is very i mean you can kind of direct someone's not to get conspiracy but you can literally direct your whole way of thinking right so a lot of young people if there's no so we're saying general societally is you're just being directed by social media there's no one telling you that you should not be on social media. There's nothing, it's everything bent against you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the negative. But at the same time, we are seeing, same time, we are seeing lots of positives that are tied to social media, such as. We long, need to hear some okay, of those. So this is, I think I'm depressed. Okay, no, so this is the one listeners. of the positives is, okay, so every millennial and Boomer and every other generation extra, everyone loves to say that Gen Z's have the short, the attention span of a goldfish. Yeah. Okay. Two seconds or whatever. And that's true. Why? Because of, yes, things okay. moving so quickly. But that's just a filter. Mm. Okay. So don't think of that as an attention span. Think of it as a filter. Okay. Is since these kids were six years old, they've been constantly bombarded by new information. Nonstop. Yes. 24-7, they have access to any piece of information at four in the morning, two in the morning. Constantly. Mm-hmm. So within two seconds, your daughter can recognize if she likes something or not mm-hmm. and know to swipe to the next or not. She's been programmed to do that. Okay, not so for me. So she's filtering very she's quickly. She's filtering. It's not, okay. a atten- she's, it's not attention span. It's filter, right? filtration. Okay. Okay? okay. Because this is where it's a positive is that everyone loves to hate that Gen Z have short attention span. Well, long format video and audio is at an all-time high. Okay, the, mm. the, the, my youth group will sit down and listen to a two-hour podcast yeah, I was without say, thinking about it. Podcasts are so my, long. My, kid, my young people will sit down and watch something that I would never watch because it's boring. And it, it's some, it's a, they're watching lectures of a guy at a college that I wouldn't watch if I was in the college. Mm. And it's because they've, that little filter, it's got past their filtration system. They liked it, and they'll buy in. And so they'll sit down and watch four hours of Peterson or Rogan or who, you know, whoever yeah, it is. I'm not yeah. saying if they should be or not be. I'm saying Why? once societally, if they, if you can get through that filtration system, they'll sit down and watch four hours. Because I always worry in our services, uh, sermons are sometimes an hour, but a lot of times what the 30, 45 minutes mm-hmm. would probably be the average. And I worry about the attention span of our young people being able to stay engaged in the sermon because you don't want pastors who have to do antics to, yeah. to maintain attention for that long. But you feel like they, if they have a personal interest, they will be able to maintain yeah. the attention. Yeah, so the, the, the deal for me is not trying to have the coolest lights and show and do the most backflips yeah. and have the most whatever. 
the real deal is you've got to get through their filtration system. And their filtrations, just from my research, the Gen Z, it's not about millennials are uh, not my favorite. I am a millennial, so I'm allowed (laughs) to say that. Uh, We were all about the lights in the show, and it had to be the clip. Gen Z are about the purpose. Unfortunately, we have to stop the conversation here, but there is more to come. So please be sure to join us on the next episode as we continue our interview with Boston Young.